Welcome to the Science in the City podcast, your gateway to the New York Academy of Sciences. I'm Nadia Popovich. In this special edition of the Science in the City podcast, we take a look at folic acid, or specifically the lack thereof for women in much of the developing world. You'll hear how a unique innovation challenge from the Academy's Scientists Without Borders initiative is looking to change that fact for good. This podcast comes to you thanks to the support of the Sackler Institute for Nutrition Science. There's strong and well-accepted consensus that micronutrient interventions are incredibly important development interventions. They're cost-effective, and they really are an important part of tackling malnutrition around the world. Shafali Puri is executive director of Scientists Without Borders, a unique web-based platform meant to foster communication, cooperation, and problem-solving on issues facing the developing world between scientists across the globe. Puri is also the brains behind the organization's Nutrition Prize, which kicked off last year with a focus on micronutrients. When I started looking at the space of open innovation, one of the things that really struck me about its utility was that there are a lot of areas in which a really desirable solution has not emerged, even though there may be some consensus science and it may be clear that it's an area for which a solution really has high impact will affect a lot of people's lives. Micronutrients is a really a good example of this. So, with the backing of PepsiCo and the Sackler Institute, Pori set out to create a micronutrient challenge she could use to energize the Scientists Without Borders network. But what she needed was a narrow goal. She brought together three leading nutrition scientists from around the world to identify what kind of micronutrient interventions could fit her criteria of being both highly impactful and also missing a real-world solution. My name is Eileen Kennedy with the Friedman School of Nutrition Science and Policy, Tufts University, and I was a member of the scientific advisory panel for the Nutrition Prize for Scientists Without Border. Kennedy says that the Nutrition Prize advisory panel, which included Dr. Zulfikar Bhutta of the Aga Khan University Medical Center in Pakistan, and Dr. Ricardo Uwe of the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine in the UK, started off looking at malnutrition on a broader scale, with no age or gender targets. But they pretty quickly agreed on a major intervention that was missing for a very specific and very vulnerable group, folic acid supplements for women of childbearing age. Folic acid consumption during pregnancy is obviously a very cost-effective and demonstrated intervention. In fact, the benefits of folic acid have been pretty widely agreed upon for some time now. Here in the U.S., most of our enriched grain products come fortified with folic acid, and it's been that way for the past 15 years. According to the Centers for Disease Control, in that period, there has been a significant decrease in the incidence of birth defects associated with folate deficiency. But for many women in the developing world, the U.S. model is not an option, Kennedy says. For many, many, many high-risk pregnant women in developing countries, they don't have access to processed foods that are fortified on a either a community level or a national level with folic acid. So most folic acid supplements available in rural developing areas today come in pill form. But for an intervention to really work, it needs to fit the existing budgets and routines of the women it's targeting. And pills just don't do that, says Kennedy. Folic acid through a pill can be effective However, there are several issues there. One is 
finding a way to distribute folic acid on a continuing basis, in this case to pregnant women. And the other is a cost of an intervention, which I think a lot of people don't realize in actuality it's very difficult to get medicinal folic acid to the pregnant woman. Enter Carlos Miranda, an Argentine-born New Zealand-based chemist by training, who spent some time as a nutrition researcher over the past years. He won first prize in the Scientists Without Borders Nutrition Challenge when he came up with a plan to triple fortify salt with folic acid. Here's Miranda, all the way from New Zealand, explaining his idea. Basically, is to use a common table salt fortified with folic acid, vitamin B6, and vitamin B12. The idea was to find a staple food uh, common to many places or in fact to this region with high occurrence of birth death and birth deficiencies. I thought uh, there are so many different foods uh, even within the same country so I came up with the idea with something that is in some way universal to everyone. Everyone uses salt. Puri says that Miranda's idea was well received because it brought a very practical approach to the problem. Everyone, or nearly everyone, uses salt. Plus, there's prior experience with salt fortification. If it can be done with iodine, why not with folic acid? Such practicality seemed to be a winning feature of this year's prize. Another entry to receive special recognition took its own very practical approach to the problem, though a much less strictly scientific one. When we looked at the details of the problem, it seemed to us that the technology of getting folic acid into food was fairly straightforward. Our focus was rather on the distribution scheme. We assumed that it was easy to get folic acid into food, but it was hard to get the folic acid to the people in the countries that needed them. That's Chris Wilmer, a PhD candidate in chemical engineering at Northwestern University in Chicago. He was part of the team which was awarded third place in this year's Scientists Without Borders Nutrition Prize. The Earth Team, as they call themselves, are four graduate students coming from diverse backgrounds, one from chemical engineering, one in genetics, another in electrical engineering, and yes, one in economics. Their proposal worked out a method of using existing microfinance networks and connected local entrepreneurs to facilitate trades between folic acid producers like international corporations or foreign governments, and local food suppliers in the developing world. The real beauty of this plan is that it can work in the delivery of all sorts of nutrition interventions, not only folic acid. Here's another Earth Teamster, economic grad student Toan Fan. The idea, I must say, it originated from a previous idea we had in distributing uh, clean water kits for poor people in poor countries using microfinance networks. We have here the Earth Team, which we believe in the very usefulness of microfinance because they have a high outreach. They have a very many people already involved and they have very strong networks of entrepreneurs who are willing to spread the usage of new technology, either it's clean water kit or it's micronutrients. And uh, we, we very much like the idea of uh, using existing infrastructures, in this case social networks, to solve existing problems instead of reinventing the wheels. Both of these ideas, the triple fortified salts and the microfinance distribution networks, are now in the works for real-world applications, says Puri, though she adds that both are still in the conceptual phase. 
The winners are now working with Scientists Without Borders to figure out who to best partner with and how and where to test out their ideas. We want to construct the models and the tests in a way that allow us to really, with rigor, look and say, you know, are we making the kind of difference or generating the kind of outcome we want? As Pori gears up for the next Nutrition Prize Innovation Challenge, she says that she's really excited about the potential of the Scientists Without Borders network for innovation in the development field, especially in the realm of nutrition. As for next year's prize, she wasn't ready to spill all the beans just yet, but she says they're moving on from folic acid. Here's a teaser. We're attacking a different angle of the problem this time around. It'll be in the realm of sort of sustainable packaging and design and really trying to address the question of a lot of interventions that get delivered but that create collateral waste problems because the mechanism by which they're delivered in refugee camps and incredibly low resource settings are such that, you know, they can't be recycled and there's not waste. But also really the larger question at a very broad level is how can we really be interesting and think outside the box about the actual delivery vehicle and mechanism for very highly needed health and nutrition interventions. What Puri says you can definitely expect is a lot more innovation on nutrition. Science and the City is a public program from the New York Academy of Sciences. We rely on your continued support to keep bringing you this podcast as well as our special speakers series. To find out more, visit www.scienceandthecity.org or email us at scienceandthecity at nyas.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.